Good morning, Cornerstone. My name is Jenny, and I'll be giving the scripture reading for today. The scripture reading comes from Genesis 1, 1 to 19. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen. Genesis 1, 1 to 19, the creation of the world. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called light night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening, and there was morning, and the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seeds according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, and the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be the, for signs, and for seasons, and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. Thank you. Good to see you guys again, and welcome to those of you online tuning in. Originally, Pastor Paul was supposed to be speaking this week, uh, our last message on our Heart Check series, and uh, he's going to be actually doing that next week, um, finishing up that series, uh, dealing with our sinful habit of shame and guilt uh, the reason why we switched was because I realized uh, next week I'm going to be at the retreat, and so that's why Pastor Paul will be speaking. We'll still have our normal service here, but there'll be a few of us at the retreat up in uh, Pennsylvania, in the rural Pennsylvania. So uh, we'll be tuning in to the service, but I won't be able to speak. So thanks, Paul, for your flexibility and making the switch. But today we're going to start looking at the book of Genesis, which is uh, going to be a series we start. So the book of Genesis is a key book, a foundational book to the faith that we have in Christ Jesus and in the Lord God himself. And it has foundational building blocks. And everything, and all the foundational blocks you can find in Genesis. So that's why we're focusing on this book going forward. And much of what we stand firm on that we know and, and see in, uh, as a Christian is found in Genesis. For example, the belief that all men are created equal, or all people, we should say, are created equal. Because in the in this Genesis, we see that man and woman were created in the image of God. 
with intrinsic value. And this, this is a principle that the United States has been founded on in our Constitution. All men are created equal. All people created equal. But if you think about it, our history has not shown that to be the practice of our nation. So Martin Luther King is a, a man from our history that we celebrate his uh, memory every January. He is known because he brought this to the attention of the United States that we are not living as a nation treating people as equal. And so we remember him in this process of that foundational principle and what we're, we founded on as a nation. Another example is the three branches of government we have. Is actually, uh, oh, actually, um, could you guys put my slides up? Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, so this is the all people created equal slide. It's all uh, cuties. And, and then uh, this is a slide for uh, the three branches of government. So what, th what this means is, that we have three branches of government because our founders of this nation believed in this principle in Genesis that every single person is uh, sinful at heart. And so we can never trust absolute power to any individual branch of government or any one person. So we always need these checks and balances because our assumption is you give absolute power and they're going to corrupt it absolutely. So that's the, the foundation and it comes from Genesis. The word Genesis comes from the Greek word, and I'll probably get this wrong, but it's geneseos, uh, which is, you don't need to remember that, but that's where the word genesis comes from. And it can mean, depending on the context, uh, history of origin, uh, birth, genealogy, the Hebrew word is actually uh, the title in Hebrew. It comes right from the very first word on verse 1 of Genesis 1. And it's translated in English just simply to mean in the beginning. So that's why this series we're going to start today is called Beginnings. And it's the beginnings of everything uh, that we're going to see and how we understand who the Lord God is. This, is. this series through Genesis isn't just to help us learn the stories of Genesis, but to see who God is and to know him more because of what we learn in Genesis the beginning, the book of beginnings. You know, if we really don't know God personally, because God wants our heart, remember, the heart check series stresses that, but if we don't know God in our hearts, then we're going to struggle in our ability to live for him, in our relationship with him. Just like in any relationship, if we don't know each other, that relationship's going to struggle in some ways. And it's the same with us who follow Christ Jesus, the Lord God in the flesh. And so reading scripture and reading Genesis particularly helps us know who God is and learn his character and his principles and his ways so that we can relate to him more personally and he can be a part of our lives and we can have this relationship every day, walking in step with his spirit through Christ Jesus and having our faith in him. You know, we, what I mean is that in Christ we may struggle to actually walk with Christ, even though we may know the message of the gospel, and even though we may understand um, what Jesus achieved on the cross for us, uh, the forgiveness of our sins, uh, but we may know about these propositional truths in a sense, but we don't know him personally. We don't relate to him because we haven't continue to understand who he is and how does that integrate into our lives. And so that's the reason why we are going to be focusing on Genesis, hopefully 
to know the Lord God more and more. And if you're not regularly reading the scriptures, then you're not going to know God more and more. You need to continually expose yourself, and me as well, to knowing him. So it, make that a habit in your life. So Genesis starts confronting us with a very foundational truth of God as creator. Uh, it's not working, the slides. There we go. God is creator of all things. And the first five verses of Genesis are foundational to the Christian faith. Actually, the first verse of Genesis says this truth very clearly, but this is on what the Bible is based, the whole of Scripture and our faith in Christ Jesus. It all depends. Let me read these five verses for you again. I think you guys are going to just have to click it. This isn't working. So, yeah, here we go. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. The beginnings of everything. And God named the light day and he named the darkness night. And God is giving names. It's like he's creating language already. He's, he's calling things. And in the Old Testament, when you gave somebody a name, that was so significant. It's giving them meaning and, and purpose and value. And then we see evening and morning, the first day. This describes here probably the rotation of the earth. Uh, there's a light source, which is interesting because he hasn't created the sun, moon, and stars yet. So where's the light coming from, right? But the, the, the earth is rotating, so there's darkness and there's light. And from what we can tell from scriptures as a whole, this light was probably God himself as the source of light. And if, without going into detail, if you go to the book of Revelations, you'll see in the New Jerusalem, God is there, and so there's no night because he is the source of light. So uh, in that sense... It probably was God himself. And there's been some debate over the meaning of the word day. You would think, like, doesn't it just mean day? Well, there's been some debate about that in the creation account because some take it to mean 24 hours, which is how we usually use it, right? Or it, some take it to mean this period of time, long periods of time, because the thinking goes that, if, that it was God who could use this process of evolution uh, to, over these periods of time to, and he would direct evolution to bring about life as we know it. And, uh, but uh, he created life on earth and thus, in a sense, you need these long periods of time if evolution is going to be the process of it. And so he, he, some people that support this use Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8 as support where it says there, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. And so they say, see, it could be periods of time there. But uh, it reminds me of a funny story uh, that kind of emphasizes this. It's God and this guy are talking, and, and the guy says, hey, God, um, is it true that like a thousand years, I mean, yeah, a thousand years are just like a second to you? And he's like, yeah. And then he says, is it true that like, a million dollars is like a penny to you? And God says, yeah. And then the guy says, hey, can, can you give me a penny? And God says, well, just a second. You know, 
Ha ha. Personally, I don't believe that the word day in the creation account, uh, even though it's written poetically, so there's metaphors and images there, but I don't believe that it would uh, necessarily needs to be a period of time. Because if God could walk on the water, if he can heal the lame, if he could do all these miracles, then he could have created whatever he wanted in one day, 24 hours, period. But whether or not you buy into that, I'm not going to fight on that hill. Uh, basically, what it's saying here, and this is the foundational truth, is that God is creator. He is creator of all things, and whether and how he did it, that wasn't the purpose of the detailed, scientific details of how he created. It's not the purpose of the author of uh, Genesis. The account of creation is demonstrating God's power and sovereignty over all things, because he is the creator. And it portrays this about God by the creation of the heavens and earth in six days, which is amazing to think about especially day four, and we'll get to that. The creation account reveals how God is the giver of life. Everything he does, he creates these, in a sense, physical boundaries in the heavens and the earth. Why? It's for life to flourish. This is the whole purpose of creation. He wants life to flourish. And he is the giver of life, and actually we hear in Christ, he is life. So he needs to be a part of this. He's not only creating his creation, but he is in his creation. He's sustaining his creation. And our lives continue to be filled with boundaries we see that help life flourish. If we think about it, there's lots of boundaries in our lives, you know, where we shouldn't cross. Uh, some boundaries we resent. We wish they didn't exist. But uh, as long as we submit to them, our life has more freedom, it seems, but if we tend to ignore these boundaries, then our life has difficulties, it seems. So, for example, in the United States, we have this boundary called income tax, right? They've created this boundary. Why is this boundary there? Well, because the idea is that it gives money to our government to be able to protect us, to govern us, to administer, you know, the things we need, like roads and transportations and infrastructure and health care and whatever it is, right, that we provide us citizens. But if we decide to go outside of that boundary and not pay our income tax or cheat on our income taxes, then if we get caught, then some of our freedoms will be taken away from us. So it won't go so well for us. That's one. Or we can think of like another example. When we're young, our parents provide boundaries for us so that we grow and mature and be able to show uh, respect authority and uh, respect to our fellow human beings. Hopefully our parents provide those boundaries for us, right? And one clear one that we always have to learn is how to share what we have, right? As kids, we got to learn that what we have, we need to share with someone else, especially when we were children playing with toys. Uh, they'd teach us to share with our friends or whoever's there. So this paying taxes, this is sharing what we have or just some moral boundaries that we see that really help life to flourish in a very simplistic but practical way here and now. In today's text, the creation account of days specifically two and three and four, we'll see and observe that the Lord God creating physical boundaries that exist for life to flourish. Let me say that again, as you see there on the screen. God made these boundaries so that life can flourish. And the, he is life. He is the source of life. He is the creator of all life. Now listen closely with this in mind to day number two the creation account. Verses 6 through 8. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, 
and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse, separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so, and God called the heaven, I mean, called, called the expanse heaven, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. You know, this is kind of confusing when you first read this. What I, what I simplified is on day two, God just took the waters and he separated them vertically. So he's creating the heavens or what other translations call the sky, you know, the atmosphere, we could say. So on day two, we see that God made the sky, the atmosphere. Now also notice that it did not say here that it was good, right? Because we'll see in the creation account that when God is doing his creative act, when he's accomplished it and finished that one specific act, he'll say that it was good. The account will say, and he saw that it was good. But it doesn't say that at the end of day two, does it? It says morning, uh, evening and morning, day two, right? So uh, he's not done yet with the waters of the earth. He's got more things he's going to do, which we'll see in day three. So that's yet to come. He's not done yet. And with the creation of the sky or atmosphere, we need to understand at this point that it's quite different than what we experience today in our atmospheric conditions. Because he separated the waters vertically. So there's this, like this water vapor canopy around the whole earth. So that would create, from what we can tell from evidence, that it was a more of a uh, uniform uh, temperature or atmospheric conditions all over the earth. It wasn't like we experience today with the north and south poles. Um, for example, there's evidence that places like Siberia were once tropical when you look and the uh, archaeological evidence there and the rock strata and things like that. There, there wouldn't be this jet stream uh, atmospheric condition like we are so we hear in the weather today with weather storms. It just the people of the days then wouldn't experience that like we do today. It was a different, a totally different atmosphere than we experience today. And this meant there was, pro there was no rain like we experience today. Uh, it was just it, because it wasn't needed. The earth didn't need the rain like we do today because it was watered differently. And it's kind of described and hit on this in chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. When no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground, and a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground quite different than what we experience today. So just like in a greenhouse, plants thrive and things grow really well. And not only plants, but we see from the Genesis that humans did well. Uh, they thrived. They lived significantly longer from the period of creation to the great flood in Genesis 7, we'll see. The lifespan was super long. I mean, Adam and Eve, we'll see, uh, both are said to have lived over 900 years. Think of that. Just imagine living 900 years. I mean, we celebrate when one of us reaches 100 today, right? We're like, wow, 100 years old, but 900 years. Wow, that is just mind-boggling. And this then all changed when the flood happened. We see in Genesis 7, the lifespans dramatically start dropping off once the flood. And so that just means that there was this worldwide cataclysmic change with the flood. It wasn't a localized effect. And, and we see some evidence of this with frozen animals that are said to have been preserved for thousands of years, like the woolly mammoth. You can th throw that slide up there. 
and some of the discoveries are spectacular and indicate animals of significant size, like elephant size, were frozen very quickly, almost instantaneously, so that the food in their stomach was stopped from digesting. It's amazing. Like if, I, if you killed me now and you just let me lay here, my stomach would continue to digest the food that I had for breakfast. But they were frozen so instantaneously that thousands of years later, they still had food in their stomach. Uh, what happens to the earth to freeze things like that that quickly? Some people believe it was the flood that could be explained, those kind of things. So God established the boundaries of the sky to create an atmosphere for living things to thrive. So now let's look at day three, verses 9 through 13. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And here we go. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, and which it which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so, the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their kinds, their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. So here on day three, God made the land, the seas, and the plants. So God established some more boundaries for life to flourish. And we see actually life now coming in the uh, guise of plant life to flourish. They each have their own kind. And you notice they each have their seeds, right, which has helped them reproduce. You know, this whole idea of God's act here on day three, this creative work, is also described by God himself in the book of Job, at the end of that book, when he was talking, the Lord God was talking to Job, kind of challenging Job. Uh, and let me read this for you. It's really interesting. It says, this is the Lord God speaking. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its, its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the room, when I made the clouds its garments and wrapped it in thick darkness, when I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place, when I said, this far you may come and no farther. Here is where your proud waves halt. See, God is referring to these boundaries and limits that he made on day three for life to flourish and then plant life began on the dry land that he created. And like I mentioned, it, he, he it mentions there specifically that each plant and each tree had its seeds and its fruit, which had seeds in it. And so there's this, I, this image of life. For life to be there, it has to be able to reproduce, to multiply. And that's a, the, the, we see that as a characteristic of life, especially life that flourishes. And then on day four, God made, whoops, I guess it's working now, I just... Yeah, here we go. Yeah, it's working now for some reason. So on God, in day four, God made the sun, the moon, and the stars. Now, this is interesting because we already have plants, but we don't have the sun yet. So let's get into this in verses 14 through 19. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs, for seasons, for days and years, and let them be lights in the expanse 
of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth and rule over the day and over the night to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. Day four amazes me. Because basically he's creating the whole universe in one day. You know how big the universe is? That is amazing to me. The earth is one thing. The earth is big compared to us, right? But the universe, now that's power. <laughs> he's created the whole universe in one day. That's amazing. Now, God created these special light sources, all of which serve as three purposes here. We see signs is mentioned, and a sign is in a sense, pointing to something. And, and we see from scriptures, it's pointing to God's mighty power, his creative work. Seasons refers to time, you know, defining periods where we as humans can plan accordingly, right? There's passage of time. So we can make our plans and activities. And then lights so that life can grow and people can actually see where we're going. Now, some people use astrology to, like, determine their, like, what kind of person they are or what the future holds for them. They look at the stars and the planet movements and things like that. That's astrology. Um, and, or, or maybe they use what the people call a horoscope, right? But the Bible says they, these things in the heavens merely display the handiwork of God. That's it. They just show the glory of God as in Psalm 19.1 it says, And the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. This is not for determining our future. Only God does that. They display the glory of God. Did you ever see the movie Contact? It's an older movie. It's with Matthew McConaughey and Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster is a scientist who sits there and listens to radio signals from outer space, hoping that she'll come across some intelligent, uh, one that indicates intelligence outside from the earth, you know, somewhere else in the universe. And there's this one scene when she was a little girl, kind of the background story of her in the movie, when she's talking to her dad and they're looking at the stars and she says, Dad, do you think there's any intelligent life out there other than here? And he just paused thoughtfully and said, you know, if there isn't, it sure is a waste of space. You know, there's a large area out there. Right? And he's just thinking then as a scientist without the belief in the Lord God as creator that, you know, if life just randomly came up here and happened here, then naturally as big as the universe is, which is bigger than we can conceive, there must be life out there somewhere. It must have happened somewhere else too. And there's an amazing documentary that actually works against that thinking. And it's called The Privileged Planet. And I encourage you to watch that if you haven't. Um, it presents the idea that our planet is super privileged. Like it beats all odds in a sense for life to be able to flourish here. And one key thing is the position of our planet in our solar system. It's not too close to the sun. It's not too far away from the sun. Otherwise, life wouldn't be able to survive. The other thing is it brings out, out of the many it brings out, is the position of our solar system in the Milky Way galaxy. Because our Milky Way galaxy is pretty dangerous. But our solar system, where it is positioned um, around our star, right, the sun, uh, is unique because it's not too close to anything that would make life impossible. And so here we are again, that life is flourishing the way God has positioned this privileged planet. This is the documentary. 
And this seems to explain to us why God created the sun, moon, and stars on day four. Because he created life on this earth, this planet, and then he created the universe to, so that the life on this planet can be supported and sustained and flourish. So if you think about it, it makes sense that God said, ah, I'm giving life and I'm creating this whole system to support life here. So I guess that would mean there's no life, everything well else, if you buy into that. Um, yeah, it's, it's an amazing concept to think about that. So if we believe that God created these boundaries that are important to life physically, then it follows that we have to believe that he created these moral boundaries that he gives us through Christ Jesus and spiritual boundaries that he also provides in Christ Jesus, God in the flesh, for life to flourish. It, it just it flows that way. We all desire for life to be exciting, interesting, and full of discovery. I don't know about you, but as I get older, there's just more things I want to experience because there's more things I know about. We desire that, to have a life that flourishes and have a meaning. That's what we all hope for. And then the question for us then is, why do we live our lives when we are told that God is the creator and sustainer of life, like he's just kind of an interesting trivia. And we don't live within the boundaries, the commands he's given us as the creator, the sovereign creator. Why do we often ignore his commands and live the way we want to? Because when we go outside of those boundaries, life will not flourish. We will be struggling we will face all kinds of hardship um, and without hope we'll fall into all kinds of darkness and it's mainly because we don't know god even if we've professed a faith in christ jesus but we're not seeking to know him then what kind of faith do we have is it just a name only if we want a life that flourishes like god intends then we must trust his boundaries totally because he is life just as jesus god in the flesh on earth claimed when he said i am the way the truth and the life and no one comes to the father except through me boundary right there if you want life to flourish follow me and those of us who follow christ with our hearts then naturally, as we experience the abundant life that he gives us and how life flourishes when we follow him and his boundaries, we're going to call others and say, hey, come along with me, man, and follow this Jesus. He is the life. Because with life without him is really no life at all. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we place our trust in you and Lord, we pray that that statement in our hearts and minds and through our mouths, that we trust you would be a reality. And we pray that the spirit that indwells us through faith in you and the life that comes into us through you would flourish. And Lord, we say that uh, not with the intent to just be comfortable because we know that you said we will face all kinds of hardships. And we don't say that to just think that all the blessings that we will receive 
of eternal life because before that finish line, there's going to be many difficulties we will face. But we know that the peace that passes all understanding will guard our hearts and minds when we follow you and that no matter what comes, we will experience joy and hope for the future and life that flourishes. Because, Lord, life that flourishes, we know, is reproducing. And so when we, you say, go and make disciples, you say, come, follow me. I am the life. And just point others in my direction. And let me do the rest. And, Lord, I, we pray that Cornerstone would become a flourishing, reproducing, multiplying uh, arm of your body here on earth. Because we believe in you who is life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.